0: I want to mention at the at the top before we jump into our our lesson? You might have seen on uh, social media that uh, this past week, uh, uh, one of the great pastors of our generation and the past generations, um, maybe one of the greatest pastors ever to uh, to have planted and and uh, spoken and handled the word of God, passed this week. Um, Doctor Timothy Keller, and um, I, I mentioned that because. If you, if you haven't been exposed to Timothy Keller's messages, to his books, and if you're looking for something to read and you haven't been exposed uh, to his material, uh, he is uh, a profound but accessible um, pastor and handler of the word. Um, my, my life has been... Uh, changed and, and benefited through the years because of Timothy uh, Keller's ministry. He's uh, New York planter um, and, and a faithful, like I said, handler of, of the word. So our condolences go out to his family and to those touched by his, uh, his ministry. But I, I, once again, I say that because if, if you're not familiar with Timothy Keller. Um, look him up on Amazon. Look up his his sermons. He's um, he has so much material out there, and uh, you'd be blessed. T- uh, t- we're continuing today in our series and nearing the end. This is the um, second of the last um, sermon in the meals uh, in in the series Meals with Jesus. Um, and I, I feel like. We should have, and I don't know where, if it was me who dropped the ball or some, somebody at the planning table dropped the ball uh, on, um, I, I think we should have done a, a weigh in at the beginning and then a weigh in at the end to see whether or not you're participating in the meals with Jesus. That seems like it would have been a good idea. Are, are, are you taking the recipes and enjoying those? And uh, our our desire has been not just to be creative, uh, but it's obvious when you read the Gospels. And this is something that in my years of preaching that I've never uh, I've never done an actual focus on the meals with Jesus. But it's it's so obvious that when you read the Gospels, uh, he he enjoyed sitting around the table uh, with. Uh, faithful people, with struggling people, with people who believed and people who struggled, with people who were in and people that were out. Jesus was constantly sharing meals uh, with with people, and at those tables, in those events where Jesus was eating and enjoying life, sustenance with uh, with people. The, the most amazing things happened. The intimate conversations, life changing conversations happened uh, around this food, and it wasn't about the food, obviously. But Jesus had, had this way in his ministry of of moving out of the sanctuary. Like so much of Jesus's ministry, there's only a few occasions where Jesus uh, was was in uh, the the uh, synagogue. Just, just a couple, where Jesus was churchy, and so I, I want to say this: if 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 you struggle with church, or if you know somebody who struggles with with church, with organized religion, with all the sanctimonious things that that we get caught up in in religion, uh, Jesus is the guy for them, and and he loved to join folks outside of the sanctuary. That's where his focus was, to join people. In real life and to take those real life kinds of things, the ordinary stuff, I mean fried chicken, t- 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 to take those things and invade them and change them forever. I want you to have that in your mind as, as you're turning in your Bibles. If you, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, we have some folks that are going to come, come down and put a Bible in your hand. We have a long reading uh, this morning. But have that picture of Jesus in your mind um, as we enter into Luke chapter twenty-two, and uh, with the topic and exploration of the Last Supper, the Last Supper, the Eucharist, Communion. This is something that we're uh, that we're extremely familiar with, and if. If you've been a part of a church for very long, if you've been a part of this church, you know that we, um, we celebrate communion every single week. A lot has changed if you think through the history of the church. Uh, we're real different now in, in, in the way that we uh, worship God and the way we do church on Sundays. We're really different in so many ways than, uh, than the first century church where we're, uh, they worshiped in secret and probably were just uh, throwing together some acapella hymns. They didn't want to draw a lot of attention to uh, what they were doing. We've become, I mean, you, wasn't worship amazing this morning? Well, they didn't have amps and, and guitars and all of that. They were really, really simple. And so if we were to go into their worship service back then, we would feel like oh, this, is, this is so different than than church in our day, and they would feel the same. But there are there are a couple of things that remain the same. A few. I mean, we, they've handled the Word of God. We are centered. We're a church that's centered on the Word of God. But the uh, the the two things that we do that would that have been uh, celebrated and and participated in through the ages that are almost exactly the same are baptism. Uh, and the Lord's Supper. those institutions are things that if if when we take the Lord's Supper, we're united with the people uh, that we'll talk about from luke chapter twenty two, the first apostles and disciples when Jesus instituted this thing. like those same elements or similar elements uh, have been used. Sunday after Sunday, I would argue that the early church, they didn't wait till Sunday. Most of the meals that they enjoyed would have the elements on the, on the middle of the table. And at some point in a, a family meal or, or hanging out with friends, they would say, oh, let's, let's take communion. Let's, let's recognize that Jesus is here with us. I'm getting ahead of myself there. Uh, but this is something that, that, uh, that we do when we baptize folks Uh, We do it in in the same way that we study. They did it uh, week after week, and and disciple after disciple would profess their faith. They They would enter into baptism, and then they would handle these elements. And if you're a part of a church, you've done this regularly. If you've been a Christian for 50, 60, 70 years, then you've probably taken communion thousands of times, 52 times a, a, a year over however many years that you've been a Christian. But I, I would argue that uh, the constance of this activity doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you understand it. That familiarity doesn't mean that we, that we have it all together. And if you're with us this morning and communion is something that you have, Noah, we have a, a lot of new disciples with us at, at Grace. Uh, and if you, if you feel like, man, I'm doing this thing, I got called up and I took, I took the elements, but I really don't understand, uh, this, is, this is gonna be the perfect sermon for you. But I would argue also that just because you do something repetitively because you do it a lot, doesn't necessarily mean you really get it. And so the, the, our, our conversation today is we enter into this institution, the first Last Supper, this first communion experience, uh, that we're going to understand better this, well, we call it a sacrament, and the we only have in, in our kind of church A couple of sacraments And we don't use that word very often But that idea of uh, taking an element Or a, a ceremony And setting them aside as sacred uh, Almost sterilizes the activity And I would argue that we take this thing seriously It's It's central-ish to our worship services. I say central because it's odd to point to the right and to the left, Uh, but it's something that, that we look forward to that we celebrate as a church that we're committed to here at Grace if you could have listened in on the conversations that we had during covid about whether or not we were going to be a, 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 we were going to take communion on any given sunday those were hard conversations for us as a staff because we we believe this is something we should do often we believe it's something we should do every week but as we were talking about whether or not we could do this in a way that kept people safe and trying to understand this disease uh, those were hard conversations, and every time we didn't take communion, we didn 't feel guilty like this is of keeping a law, but that we were missing out on on something great uh, but when you When you think about that first church experience uh, with communion, um, my mind goes back and taking communion very seriously. Um, I was thinking this past week at the first times that I took communion and and the church that I came to Christ in, once again, took it very seriously, Um, but it was a, it it was a rigid activity. Um, And I learned very quickly that with communion, you were supposed to get everything, everything right. Everything was supposed to be in order. And this was a whole, it was a, a holiness was in, in the air in this church. Uh, there were about 900, or 900 people in the church. It was a large auditorium. And right after I became a Christian, somebody thought it was a good idea to ask this 15-year-old kid uh, to, to lead a prayer for communion. And I had no idea what was going on. I mean, I knew that there was bread and there was juice that we passed out in trays. We we'd literally, we didn't invite people up to the front of the auditorium. We had 800 people in, in the room and uh, coordinated and mapped out how to snake these elements down and back every aisle. Some of you are familiar with those kinds of, of churches. You would, have. Uh, you would have the juice and then the crackers would come out in a separate thing. And so they invited me up. I sat in this room and uh, with the guys that were gonna be serving communion and it looked complicated and it looked scary. And I don't think anybody knew how nervous that, that I I've never been in front of a group of people. So we go into the auditorium, sing a couple of songs, and then as I'm walking up to stand in front of this mass of people, um, as I'm walking up, I trip on the stairs, right? <laughs> it was as bad as you can imagine. And when I got up to the table, my hands were shaking. You would have never thought that I was going to be a preacher on that day. My hands were shaking, and when I grabbed the lid, it clanked, and then I dropped it. PING through the whole auditorium, which increased my nerves. I mean, they're supposed to take this thing seriously and I don't feel like I'm going to be able to do this. And to this day, people in that, in that congregation, they remember that I, when I leaned forward, I hit my head on the microphone. Boom! <laughs> and leaned back and sounded out, Lord. But that was the worst thing. Everything else was forgivable. But when I started to pray, I prayed for the wrong element. I got them out of order. All right. I prayed for the, ju- for the juice first, and then someone said, no, 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 This we're going to do this. And that was the thing that I got scolded for. And after some, uh, some well-versed uh, older gentleman pulled me aside and informed me, that I had been unbiblical in front of a church that takes things very biblical. That stuck with me through the years. It was, it was a fun experience, had many more after that, but the sterileness of the atmosphere stuck with me, and I didn't know why until I started to study more about Jesus, and as I came to know him and realized that uh, he, he wasn't, about those kinds of things. And I didn't really, I I didn't know where I would end up until when we were planting the church in China. We had a a conviction that with the first disciples uh, that that we were studying with, that that we didn't want to give them all the answers. We wanted to read the Bible with them, teach them how to study the Bible, and then see how they would interact with Jesus. And when it came to what we would do on Sundays, how they would do church, I literally, we would read scripture together, and then I'd ask a lot of questions. How do you see this playing out? Well, with communion, I decided, and I had, I had some supporters back in the United States, and this church that I hit my head on the microphone with uh, did not agree with what I was doing. I would send them notes back about the hilarious things that the Christians were doing because what they came up with, they decided that it's not so much about the ceremony and getting everything exactly as it was, which I was fine with, uh, but when they took communion over that first that first communion that they did, they showed up with Kool-Aid and veggie crackers, and I let it happen. I was Rena, and I sat back and we said, "Okay, we're going to figure this out along along the way. It's more about what what we're doing and what's in our hearts than what's on the table, right?" Now, a couple of weeks later, they showed up with cheese crackers. The ones with the you peel apart and it's got cheese whiz in the middle. I put a stop to that. I, I said, Look, we're, we're gonna have to dedicate some time and really understand what's going on here because I'm not doing the cheesy Jesus, right? Um, but what they did with the experience of communion I spoke to my first occasion, spoke to me hitting on the in my head on the microphone and changed the way, way I would take communion for the rest of my life because what they decided was that communion was supposed to be, uh, it was supposed to be a, a relationship affair. We spent a lot of time and I'll, I'll bring this up later on in the lesson, the ex- exact things that we did, but, but uh, there was a lot of confession and accountability and conversation because they believed communion was more like a family dinner uh, Than it was, just a holy ordinance, and I say that not because I want to change the way we do communion here, uh, but that I would like for you in our reading, in our study, in your time after this, uh, to engage with the text, to engage with God, and ask the question: How do you want me? How do you see this table affecting me? What should this be like for me in my heart? And let Him inform you. Let Him. Let Him even change your mind on this thing that we're so familiar with called communion. So I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22 and join me in this reading. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover, around which communion um, Jesus would use the Passover in order to institute um, the the Lord's Supper or communion. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death for they feared the people. And then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot uh, who was uh, who was of the number of the 12. He was part of that group and went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers, how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented um, and sought an opportunity to betray, uh, to betray him uh, to them in the absence of the crowd. And then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover uh, lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover with us that we may eat it. And then they said to him, Uh, Where would you have us prepare it? And Jesus responded, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house uh, that he enters and tell the master of the house that the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room uh, that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he'll show you a large uh, room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it. Just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table. Notice this is this is where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. When the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you I won't eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So this is gonna be their last supper with him while he's alive until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, this is the order here. This is what I got wrong. <laughs> I didn't read fast. Enough. I didn't read well enough. And so I prayed for the, I prayed for the cup first. And he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after uh, after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out uh, for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at this table. Get all of this context. The hand of of him who betrays me is at this table. For the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which one it could be. And then a dispute, they're at the table. A dispute arose among them as to which one would, would be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings and the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, this is their conversation, but rather let the greatest among you be the youngest, be the servant. Jesus asked some questions. This is the context of the conversation. All of this is happening at the Lord's Supper. What's surprising to me, we get the elements and we'll focus on those, that the bread is the body of Christ is broken for you. And we want you to understand that, that the cup is the cup of a new covenant in Jesus's blood, that his sacrifice paid for your closeness with Jesus, paid for your sins. And we celebrate those things and understand. But what's surprising to me about this first Lord's Supper is how unsacramental it is. I mean, they're a hot mess I mean, look, just before they take the Lord's Supper, you have Judas who's making a deal to b- betray Jesus. Here in just a minute, if you continue reading, you have uh, Jesus with a conversation with Peter that he's gonna deny Jesus. In the middle of the Lord's Supper, when Jesus is instituting this beautiful and wonderful and holy ordinance, you've got a couple of the disciples, James and John, arguing, <laughs> arguing about who's the greatest, and so if you wonder when you're, when you're approaching the, the Lord's table, whether or not you're worthy enough to sit at the table with Jesus, whether or not he accepts you, look around that table. These guys weren't all there. They were a bunch of rascals, every single one of them. And in just a few hours after this, they'll be, uh, they'll be denying Jesus. They'll be running from Jesus. The author of, of the book of Mark, Mark himself, is, is said to have been the one that ran away leaving his robe. He, he, left, he, he ran away to get away from the crowd that was taking Jesus. He ran away, and it says that he, he ran through the streets naked. They didn't have their stuff together and they had no idea what was going on. If you wonder whether or not you know enough to be in a relationship with Jesus or you know enough to come and take these kind of elements, they had no idea what was going on. This is much less about some beautiful ceremony than it was about a connection with Jesus. And when I look at this scene, I couldn't get it out of my mind that this is way more like family dinner at my house. And I don't know about your house. This is way more like family dinner at my house uh, than it is what what my first church made it out to be. they're all hitting their heads on the mic. Everybody's getting things out of order. But this is way more about getting with Jesus Than it was about getting it right this is much more about connection with Jesus and I really want you to hear this it's much more about connection with Jesus than it is about ceremony the ceremony is the simple part this is an invitation for you uh, to be with him together this is togetherness and so with that idea of a family supper, uh, we do it simple at my house, but we're gonna, we're gonna take the idea of a family supper and, and say that with this, there, there are four courses to this communion experience. It, the, the first course will be preparation. We see that in the text. The second is gonna be connection. The third is gonna be celebration and commemoration. And then the last one, if you're gonna take notes, the last one will be continuation. So this idea of preparation, that with, with Jesus, Jesus looks at the disciples, he, he asked Peter and James, go and prepare, and they felt like many of us, they definitely felt the way I felt the first time I took communion, like they had no idea. And doesn't this epitomize our, our walk with Jesus? And like all the responsibility that we feel to prepare ourselves to get everything right. They look at Jesus with this blank stare that was constant with them. Like they were totally confused. And Jesus says, now look, I, I asked you to prepare, but really what I want you to do is I want you to go and find where I've already prepared it. So I'm gonna tell you that, that communion in this way, and in many ways, is symbolic of our entire relationship with Jesus. He's not asking you to get everything right. He's asking you to step into a relationship with him where he's already prepared the way. Look how beautiful this is. They go out and they're supposed to find this guy with a jar, go to a house, and they find that Jesus has already communicated to the to the person of this house whether that's and I often wonder, is that did he have some vision or dream, or did Jesus text him? <laughs> Say, hey, man, there's going to be some, there's going to be some uh, uh, curious looking fellows walking down the street and then they're going to have a blank stare on their face. Uh, Send the guy with the water out to meet them. We're not told how this all came about, but the the mystery of it speaks to at least my relationship with Jesus, where I find as I'm stepping into things and I have no idea how to take the next step, that Jesus has already prepared the way. He's already prepared the way for you. Look at the beauty of, of how that should affect the way we take our next step of faith and the way we step up to the communion table. Jesus is ready for you. He, he's, he's ready for you. The table is set. And if the table is set, then you're not gonna surprise Jesus. You're not gonna surprise him with your sins. You're not gonna surprise him with your stupidity. Like you you are not, can we just get this out of the way? You are not enough. Don't look at your wife. You are not enough. You don't know enough, no matter how much you know or how little you know, you don't know enough. But none of that matters. Jesus is inviting you to the table. And that invitation is met by his preparation. It's already prepared for you to be there. And all of that says he wants you. This is the symbol of the Lord's Supper. He's he's prepared it. He's prepared it with his death and his resurrection. He's prepared it with his invitation. All that is left is for you to receive it and step into it. Jesus wants you. The second is connection. And this is the most important thing about communion. And what I think if from that first communion um, and then through the years, most, most people, and this, if you don't get anything else out of our conversation today, I really want you to get this, that this thing that we call communion is called communion rather than meditation or isolation because it's meant to be a relational experience. In most communion services that I've experienced through the years, the holiness and sterileness of the atmosphere ha- has been celebrated or experienced in mostly silence. But I want to look, look back at this table. As Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, they're not silent. He's not silent with them. He's conversational. They're not silent. They're, they're having conversations, right and wrong conversations around the table. This is this is once again it's much more like a family dinner than it is a meditation service. You've had get this you've had all week long to have your personal quiet time with Jesus. That's not what communion is. Communion is a a group of people. Like just take define the word communion is a group of people who come together around an activity and through that are bonded. Com- community, and this is where, when the the Chinese New Christians, when they were looking at what com- communion should be, where they said, "This is not a meditation. It's not isolation. This should be us checking in with one another." And this is something that Rena and I miss, it's something that if if you watch me during communion, I have a lot of conversations with, with people as we're stepping up to the table after, after we're at the table, but just take, if you can use your imaginations as we're sitting around with these first Christians and they had decided in, uh, in China and they decided what they wanted communion to look like. There was a lot of laughter, a lot of accountability. So sitting around the table and they would ask for seconds. So the tray, the tray would pass again while we're doing this thing. And they would say, they would look across in, in this room, they would look across at one of the brothers and sisters and say, how are you doing? You mentioned last week that you were struggling with a job decision and that your faith was, was strained because they were asking you to do something that you, that you didn't believe Jesus wanted you to do. Where are you on that? It's like, are, are, did you do your reading? We were gonna prepare, prepare for the sermon today, uh, for the lesson for today. Did you do your reading? <laughs> They were just very conversational. And normally it would last about a half hour. Really deeply checking in with one another as we were experiencing Jesus at the table. And if you look back at Jesus, his conversation with the disciples, this is exactly what he's doing. He says, there's somebody at this table that's gonna betray me. Cut out that conversation. Man, you're no greater than anybody else. It's very conversational but the other thing with connection that they would do that reminded me then and now uh, of the heart of Jesus where where he says the shepherd the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one almost always during communion and I want you to experience this I want this to change you almost always during communion somebody will pull out their phone and, and say man Jang isn't here I wonder, where, I wonder where he is. And there'd be, people would be pulling out their phones and saying, hey man, we're, we're at church and miss seeing your face. Are you okay? Let's get together. They were connecting with one another because they believed that communion was about connection and relationship, not only with Jesus, but with one another as we're sitting around the table. Communion was about Relationship The second word that we uh, That we use to describe, Well that the church world uses To describe communion is uh, the, the, the Catholic termin- With the Catholic terminology the Eucharist And even just saying that Catches in my throat that that sounds Like something that's going to be a rigid <laughs> Scary kind of kind of church Thing it's a very churchy word That when I looked it up I realized Oh this is exactly what Jesus had in mind. Do you know what Eucharist means? Thanksgiving. It's, even they when, they, when they started to organize around this idea of communion, they had celebration in mind, much more than sadness. And celebrating what Jesus had done, this experience of seeing the face of Jesus and feeling gladness in our hearts. The idea of Eucharist, celebration and commemoration of what Jesus has done. We look back at the disciples, this is exactly what Jesus was doing with them. He, he, he had a, the central idea of uh, what Jesus was going to do in giving his body and pouring out his, his blood. So there's there a commemoration there, but notice in the conversation that Jesus is having with them. If you continue reading in this text, Jesus says, hey, do you remember— and it, it, Get this. Do you remember when I told you to go out and, and, uh, uh, two by two and not take any money with you? Do you remember that God took care of you? This idea of celebration for them was an extremely personal thing. They had immediate recollection of the way that God had interacted, the way God had kept his promise about their walk with Jesus. Imagine, uh, imagine Peter Later on, as they're talking about, as they're engaging in communion, imagine what what Peter celebrated about Jesus, the stories that he would tell. They woke up one morning early and, and noticed the sleeping bag where Jesus had been laying was empty, and he wiped the sleep out of his eyes and walked up and found Jesus praying. Jesus says, come, sit with me. Or or that Jesus had sent him to go heal this uh, demon-possessed boy, and and the the boy goes crazy and knocks him out. Do you remember that? Oh, when Jesus looked into James' eyes and tells him the truth of his heart. Those are recorded in the Gospels, but those are their stories. Those are their stories. Those are their celebrations. Communion is about us coming to the table and recalling, celebrating His walk with us. So what's your story? How have you interacted with Jesus? That's the invitation. That Jesus wants, he doesn't, he doesn't want history to just repeat itself. He wants an interaction with you that you come to the table and celebrate how he's worked in your life. To remember his walk with you. The invitation is for that kind of a family dinner. A celebration and Commemoration of our walk with Jesus that includes how he saved you. That includes that, that, that thousand, 2,000 years ago, he paid the price for your sins, but then what? What has he done for you lately? And if you draw a blank, then the invitation of the supper is for you to begin looking at how he can, what he's going to do. And how you're going to make room in your life for a real time relationship with Jesus, and then lastly, continuation. Continuation. Now, this supper is as much about uh, what comes next as it is what's happening right now. That's why these the elements are, are small. No, we're not trying to. We're not trying to fill your belly. Here. No matter how much you dip that little piece of bread That you tear off in the wine You're not, you're not going to get drunk no, I promise you And we use real wine if you're new with us today So we have, we have real wine at the front And if you, if you want grape juice We have that in the back in the little cups But these are, these are symbols And like baptism Is a, a symbolic Engagement In something that should remind you Of the greater reality the elements in communion are meant to remind us of something greater. If our relationship with Jesus, but he uses, uh, he uses uh, a, a meal in the same way that he would, uh, that in the parables, he would, he would use, he would talk about a, a seed and a field. You got it, buddy. He would talk about a seed and a field and a plant that they would forever look at those things differently. And in the same way with communion, Jesus wants to join you, not just at this table, but at every table you sit at for the rest of the week. He wants to take that regular thing that you do and invade that thing, to change that thing, to join you in that place The invitation of Jesus in this experience of communion, of Eucharist, of the Lord's Supper, certainly not the last supper. That what Jesus wants for you is for this to be the first time this week that you and he sit together, not around a ceremony, but for you to sit together in the realness of his relationship with you for him to merge into your real life and for you to have that experience with him. And if you look back, if if this supper is the, the first time in a long time that you've experienced Jesus, he wants these elements as they touch your lips to be a reconnection that jumps from this place to the next table that you sit at. For every table to be a table of relationship, of connection, because that's what he prepared for you. Not just this service. He prepared a a walk and a life for you to experience with him. That is what communion is about. So if you would stand with me as we prepare ourselves to engage in the Lord's Supper, I want to take some of the things that that we've talked about today and just real quick, look around the room. Yeah, just look around. All of these people, some some of the riffraff in this room, people that that you admire and the the people that, that you know, and there's a couple of people in here that you don't know. I'm not pointing anybody out. But like the 12 sat around that table, we together are about to walk down these aisles and take communion together with Jesus. This is an invitation for you to commune. So don't be afraid as you're walking. Don't be afraid to, to ask, how are you doing? Are you okay? How's your faith? How's your walk with Jesus? Don't be afraid to, to make plans as you're walking. Say, we haven't, we haven't communed in a while. Let's get together. Like Let's be a family. And as you take these elements, the body of Jesus, I almost did it wrong again. The body, I almost hit my head on the mic. The body of Jesus, it was broken for you. You're gonna take that and realize Jesus gave it all for you. As you take the cup, this is a cup of the new covenant in his blood that his promise is as true today as it was 2000 years ago. And he will keep his promise. He paid the price. So Lord Jesus, as we, as we enter into this communion experience, we pray that this will be something that, that lingers with us all week long. And as, as these elements touch our lips, this will be the first time of many times that we experience you in intimate and beautiful ways for the rest of the week. So thank you for preparing it. And we're excited to see what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.